Jesus, this day, we invite you, you who are the living, eternal word of God, we invite you to come and speak into our lives this day, even as you already have. We're so grateful that, Lord, you are not far off, somewhere distant, just detached and observing us. But that Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us, present here now. And Lord, when we think of that, our hearts are well. So with open hands, we open our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our soul, our lives to you today and welcome you to come in and transform us. Living word of God, speak. Your servants are here to listen, to receive. Come now. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to add my welcome to all the rest of the welcomes you've received today. We're so grateful that you're here with us. My name is Jim Olson. I serve here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship, and it's a privilege to to share the word of the Lord with you again this morning. I don't take this lightly. It's something that's uh, kind of uh, fundamental to who I am how God's made me, and so very grateful that I can have this opportunity to, to bring to you a word that I believe is um, hopefully going to continue to stimulate and encourage us as this year we uh, seek to engage. It's a year to engage. We began the year out, um, th- this year beginning uh, in January with a sermon series uh, called Kaleo, which is calling, and we looked at the very various callings that the Lord has in our life when he says, come to me, come after me, and come with me. And then we spent eight weeks during Lent um, discovering um, the sentness that he has. There, there's a calling and ascending, and so we looked at apostello and what it means to become a uh, an incarnational, intercultural, missional community um, that is cooperating with the Lord in what he is doing and where he is taking us and leading us as, uh, as a people together. And last week we began a study uh, that we've entitled Praxis, um, which is... Uh, the Greek word for function and is found in uh, Romans chapter 12, which we're going to come to in a moment uh, because that's kind of the, uh, the foundation of this particular study. But before we get there uh, to Romans chapter 12, I'm just going to pull the lens back out again for just a moment. And I really want to encourage you, if you miss a, a, a particular study in the series uh, you can always go to the website, and typically by the middle of the week, those are posted there, and you can find them there. Or 
you can sign up on the back if you prefer to get a CD. You can sign up. There's a sign up for uh, to get sermon sermon, uh, both the the uh, PowerPoint notes as well as the message itself. And I want to encourage you to do that. There's going to be a lot of very rich information that's going to be coming over these uh, next seven now seven weeks. It's an eight week series total um, that I want us as a congregation to really grab hold of. We're here. I, I, I had the privilege yesterday of of um, uh, leading off our doorway to ministry, and we had a, just a wonderful group of, of uh, young men and women who are uh, preparing to step into more engagement in the life here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. And I was talking about as leadership, um, as, as leaders here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, our specific uh, calling is to empower, to equip and empower us as a congregation to live out the, the calling and sending that God has for us. And so um, over this sermon series, I just have this really clear sense that what God is going to do is some lights are going to go off in you. You're going to kind of say, oh, so, so, oh, oh, okay, now I understand a bit more of uh, the way God's made me. Because once you understand who you are, you'll understand what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do, okay? When you understand your identity, you'll discover more deeply your destiny. And so I really believe that God wants to help us in these eight weeks to discover more fully than perhaps we ever have before our particular unique identity and our, our destiny as part of his greater body and all that he's doing. So I'm very excited about this. All right. Now, so we're going to be talking about um, spiritual gifts over these next uh, seven weeks, and we're going to focus on a specific set of those gifts, but I'll get there in just a moment. First of all, let me remind you again what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 6. Um, the Bible says, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he's instructing them, you know, in all of Paul's letters, he's typically responding to different, uh, different issues um, that are present within uh, any particular uh, setting, congregation, context, and so he's He's addressing the issue with the Corinthians of spiritual gifts. And uh, specifically, he deals with some abuses of those gifts. But he's also just giving some general instruction to help them understand why they have the particular gifts that God has given to them and how they are to utilize those gifts. All right. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who is at work. All right, so we took some time last week to unpack that more. I won't take that time this morning, but I do want to remind you and understand that in these different kinds of gifts, what we're talking about here is really three different categories of gifts that we're going to be, that, that, that the scripture talks about. One is the manifestational gifts. And these are the gifts that we find uh, outlined for us primarily, not exclusively, but primarily in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, through the end of uh, chapter 14. Uh, we have an extended um, teaching from Paul on manifestational gifts. In Ephesians chapter 4, we have teaching on the ministerial gifts. This is the apostle, prophet, um, evangelist, uh, pastor and teacher teaching gifts. These are what we call the ministerial gifts. They're the equipping gifts. They're the empowering gifts, all right? The manifestational gifts are just that. They mean 
the manifestation. They're things that are visible. They're things like tongues and interpretation of tongues and miracles and healing and prophecy and, and, and all of those kinds of different manifestational gifts. They're gifts that are visible, tangible, that you can see them functioning and at work. All right, the ministerial gifts, those equipping, those coming alongside. And then the particular gifts that we're going to be focusing on for our study together is the motivational gifts found in Romans 12. The motivational gifts, slightly in a, in a, in a unique way from the manifestational or the ministerial gifts, these motivational gifts are ways that God has actually created you. Um, if you think about them, motivational gifts would be more, um, these are the things that are woven into the very DNA of who you are. This is part of the way God's made you to be, all right? And so that's why I anticipate that as we go through this study together, lights are going to go on for you because you're going to say, oh, so so that's partly the way, you know, and you're going to, lights are going to go on and you're going to say, oh, so that's why my spouse is kind of like that, or that's why this friend or that person, or you're going to observe that. And, and even in your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood, if you start, you know, God's going to think, open our eyes, and we're going to see, we're going to have an, another tool, another way of understanding those around us as well as ourselves and the way God has made us. So I don't know about you, but I've, I want to know that. I want to understand that because, again, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do, okay? And a lot of times, if you don't have this knowledge, it was so great. Chris, thank you so much. That was just perfect, you know? Um, For lack of knowledge, when we don't have knowledge, that can be destructive in our lives. In fact, some of these motivational gifts, when we don't understand why or how to utilize them or the way God's made us, they can become, you know, in God's hands, they can become beautiful things. In our hands, not so much. All right? And so God wants to instruct us and teach us, and that's part of what this is going to be about. All right. So the motivational gifts. If you've got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans is the first of Paul's letters, at least in the, uh, as, as we have it in, the, in, in, our, uh, in, in our Bibles immediately following the book of Acts. So it's the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you got Acts, and then you have Romans. All right? And Romans is a very critical uh, book. It, it lays a lot of theological foundations. And then in Romans chapter 12, a, a shift happens, okay, in, in, in Paul's um, focus. He moves from here's who you are to here's what you're to do with who you are. He says... Therefore, in verse 1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so let me give you a heads up again. I'm not interested in simply preaching a series of messages to give you some really good information. What I, I'm after much bigger than that. God's after much bigger than that. He's after transformation. He actually wants to transform your life. Okay? So that you'll know what his will is and you can test it and you can walk it out. You can live that out. All right? 
For by the grace given to me, I'm in verse 3 now, uh, me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I'm going to focus much more on that next week. So here's a teaser for next week. I want to talk about this concept of the measure of faith that God has given to us. All right? But this morning, I want to keep focusing on some, some principles here from verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So let's come back and look at some specific principles about these motivational gifts, these spiritual gifts that God has given to us so that we have a a foundation on which we can build, right? First of all, everyone has a motivational gift. Every single one of you, okay? You know, when God was, when, when, when God's passing out the gifts, he doesn't overlook you. You're not going to get by. You're not going to go, oh, he's not going to see me. Or you might be saying, he must have overlooked me because I got no clue. Okay? No, God has given you a motivational gift. Secondly, motivational gifts are given by the Spirit as He wills. As He wills. So, we're going to go through the study and you're going to go, but I want that one. That's cool. Can I be that? You can try to work, you know, it's just, it's a recipe for frustration (laughs) to try to be who you're not. Ever tried to be who you're not? It's really tiring, okay, and futile, all right? So, So there is, this is given as he wills, and it's not merit badges, all right? So... Each motivational gift is unique, that's the diversity, and is of equal value to the other gifts, that's the unity. We spend an enormous amount of energy comparing ourselves to other people, or competing with other people, or contrasting with other people, or in conflict with other people, (laughs) because we're, you know, relax. You have a gift, your gift is valuable. The person next to you has a gift. Their gift is equally valuable. We have diversity and unity. Now, all the motivational gifts are intended to work together in harmony, synergy. That's, okay, probably you're noticing, you've heard these words, I've used these words before. So they all end with, you know, the why, so they got that thing. Okay, go on. The diversity, unity. Synergy. They're working together in harmony. They're, in fact, in, in First Peter, it talks about, it uses a word that resonates with that. It's a musical term of, of in harmony with one another. When they're working together, the, the, you know, the piccolo and the tuba working together create a sound that the tuba can't by itself or the piccolo can't by itself. So we're called to, to work together in that synergistic place so that the sound is greater 
coming out of all of us together than it would be out of an individual note. Okay, everybody, you tracking? Okay, I know it's like snowing and it's April. And everybody is just like, ah. all right. Stay with me. The motivational gifts are to be used for the benefit of the body and the building up of the kingdom. That's maturity. Maturity is utilizing your gift to benefit the body and build the kingdom. Jesus is the one building his kingdom, but we're with him. He uses our hands and feet to work with him on that. Okay, everybody, you tracking? You with me? Okay, so this is really important. Each of you has a gift. It's a diverse gift. Every one of your gifts is valuable, and everybody else's gifts are valuable. That's unity. They're to be worked together in harmony. That's that synergy, which releases into a maturity when we actually engage and activate our gift. It's really not to be like a nice little... Um, you know, something that you, you have and you put up on the mantle and you polish it every once in a while and you say, isn't it cool that I have this gift? <sighs> no. To be used. Right? Now, let's look at the functional gifts now. So go with me to verses 6 to 8. Okay? It's not going to be up on the screen, so you're going to have to look in your Bible. Or on your screen, whatever it is. If your Bible's on your screen, that's good. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it's leadership, let them govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Okay? Seven gifts. The first is the gift of prophet. Now, I'm going to talk some more in a moment, so I'm going to put a pause on that, and we'll come back to this in a moment, why we're calling this prophet or, you know, other ways that we could talk. But for, for the sake of understanding here, the gift of prophet, which is the eye of the body, okay, receives and declares the will of God. Receives and declares the will of God. So the prophet, think, okay, think about a body. Prophet is the eye. Servant is the hands of the body. The servant renders practical service to others. The hands. Teacher is the mind of the body. Now these are mind, Scripture doesn't say this, by the way. This is just one way of, you know. You might have other, you might want to put other body parts up there. That's fine. But these are the ones I got, all right? And I got the PowerPoint today. All right. So, researches and communicates truth. Teacher. Exhorter is the mouth of the body. The exhorter encourages personal and corporate progress. The giver is the arms of the body. Shares time, talent, energy, resources. The leader is the shoulders of the body. Remember, we, we use the phrase, the English idiom, shouldering responsibility. The leader 
responsibly organized, leads, and directs. Mercy is the heart of the body. Shares compassion, love, and care to those in need. I'll leave that up there for just a moment. So notice these, there's seven of these motivational gifts. Each of them, we're just, for the sake of understanding today, we're attaching them to a particular parts of the body because we're members and Paul uses that picture of the body to help us understand what otherwise would be very abstract to us. So I'm trying to bring it and make it a little bit more concrete for us. And over these next seven weeks, hopefully at some point in this process, there's going to be an aha moment for you when you say, oh, now I get it. So that's why I am the way I am. I am that I am. (laughs) This way because that's my particular functional, motivational gifting. All right. Couple, one more practicals and then we're going to get into our first gift this morning. The role. Okay, so, so I'm, going to give you, I'm going to give you three kind of perspectives here on spiritual gifts and on the functioning of those gifts together. So role means in obedience to the word of God and in accordance with our natural abilities and spiritual empowerment, we're to engage all the functions to the degree that we're able. Okay? So let me just use an example. We're going to be talking about the prophet. The prophet sees, receives. The prophet is, you know, proclaiming forth... Okay, and, 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 and prophets, you know, very black and white, and they see things about, you know, whatever, and suddenly the prophet's there in, you know, whatever setting, and you, you, you walk up to somebody, and you see your neighbor, and your neighbor is just weeping. It's time at that moment to exercise the role of mercy and come alongside and find out what's going on. Okay? So we all are called to function in the various roles, okay? Chris was just talking about giving, okay? Givers, they function in, this, in that as a gift and ministry of giving. It's just part of who they are, part of their DNA. It's part of the way they're made. They love to give. They love to give extravagantly. We're all called to the role of giving. That's role. Gift is God's spirit has embedded into each of us a specific primary motivational gift that we are to engage by grace and in faith. Notice the words at the end. I put those in very deliberately. By grace, because again, it's not something you're working up to achieve. It's something that's been given to you by grace, but you're exercising it in faith. You actually have to step out and use it. In faith. Third is ministry. And this is, is that as we engage our motivational gift, he will bring forth our other spiritual gifts, our heart passions, our abilities and talents, our personality characteristics and experiences, which together collectively form our spiritual shape that will enable us to become effective members of the body of Christ. So we begin to minister. We actually begin to live this out through who we are. You can line up four different exhorters and depending on their 
spiritual shape, the other pieces of the way God's made them, their their exhortive gift might look very different and might be utilized in very different kinds of vocations. Because all of these gifts, when we're talking about the motivational gifts, we're not simply talking about gifts that are to be used only in the house, but on the streets. Because this is part of the way God's made you to function in your life in general. In fact, your vocation, the way your vocation might be a reflection of the way God's made you. You're going, you might even discover that these weeks. You go, ah, oh, so that's why I chose what I'm doing. Because that's the way God's made you. Also, and we'll talk about this at, at, at length another week because I, I don't want to talk about all of these pieces altogether in one week, is there's gift mixes. Okay? So it's not like I only have this one and I don't have any of the others. No. God's, it, he weaves it all together. Jesus, by the way, is the perfect exemplar example of all of those. He, he, he perfectly embodied all seven of these motivational gifts. And if you read scripture, you're going to find him functioning in all of them. Okay? at a ministry, at a, actually an office level. So this becomes important specifically now for a moment as we, we talk about today the motivational gift of prophet. Do you remember my first slide for a moment, the spiritual gift slide, the, the manifestational gifts, the ministerial gifts, and the motivational gifts? One of the things that can be perplexing is the fact that the prophet shows up in all three of those. There's the manifestational gift of prophecy. When somebody comes, periodically someone will come up here and, and have a word from the Lord saying, you know, here's what God, I believe God is saying to us today. Here's, here's his heart towards us. I mean, we heard some of that coming through scripture today, through encouragements. So that's the manifestational gift of prophecy. There is the ministerial gift or even office of prophet, someone like, we, we talk, Alan Ross comes here regularly once a year, providing prophetic oversight for us. He, he functions in the office of prophet, encouraging and stimulating prophetic life within the congregation in the broader kingdom of God. We're not talking about this morning the manifestational gift of prophecy, nor are we talking about the ministerial office of prophet. I'm talking about a manifestation, I'm talking about a motivational gifting, a way God's made you to function, and you may never stand up and prophesy. And you may never function ministerially as in the office of prophet, but still have the motivational gift of prophet. Does that make sense? This is really important. In my study, one of the, and, and I, I stayed with this because it's the biblical term, but one of the studies that I was doing, one of the people used a different word to describe this motivational gift. They used the word perceiver, which I like. That's a good word. So if you want to, if it helps you so that you don't get confused, you can put kind of in your notes on the side there, perceiver. Okay? All right, so let's, let's unpack this in the next few minutes. We're, we're, this won't take long this morning, but I want to 
I needed to set up some background, all right? So, so we have different gifts, Romans 12, 6, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, all right? So if your gift is prophesying, so, so if, if this is your gifting, your motivational gift is prophet or prophecy, what does that mean? Well, the definition of prophet comes from the Greek word prophetia, which means inspired speaker. So there's a verbal element to this, but it's not just that. It's, the root word is femi, which means to show or make known one's thoughts, to speak, say, or affirm. So, so there's a revelatory part that's connected to this gifting of being able to perceive or see to have that revelation, and then to communicate what is being seen. It encompasses both foretelling and forthtelling. Sometimes we think of prophecy only as those things when somebody's foretelling the future, and there's scriptural examples of that, and there's, there's experiential examples of people being able to foretell and see into and, and speak what God's heart is and what his will and purposes are towards a future date, a future time, a future season. But more, in, in fact, the bulk of scriptural prophetic uh, understanding is foretelling, declaring the heart and purposes of God. That's what foretelling is. Here's what God's thinking about. And here's what he wants to communicate with us. Okay? So the motivational gift of prophet describes one who is especially sensitive to perceiving the will of God and proclaiming it, or as the Lord directs, and this is key, please write this down, underline it, praying for it to be accomplished. In fact, that's part of the discipline of the Lord for the prophetic gift. Because if you're seeing stuff from God, your first instinct is, I've got to say something. And God might be saying, just pray. Because the shortest distance between two points is not always from here to here, but it's here to here. To here. Okay? Got it? See that? That's a pretty critical, important point. All right? And again, I want to break us out of the understanding that this is only stuff that's going to happen in the context of the church, you know, the building. Because if you've got the motivational gift of prophet, man, you can walk into various situations and boom, you start seeing stuff. You can walk into your workplace and you're like, you know what? I know what's wrong here because I know what's right. And this ain't right. All right. Well, great illustration, John the Baptist. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3. And this is where we're going to be kind of coming into a close. We're going to use this as our picture, our illustration. So hang in there just a little bit more in just a moment. You're going to get four Ps, all right? So, in the 15th year of the reign 
of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. Now, isn't that cool? The word of God came to John, the son of God, John, the son of Zechariah, in the desert. So, so first he goes, here's the... Here's the kind of the center of power. He, he reveals all the Tiberius Caesar and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, whatever. He's describing whatever in our, our, our terms, you know, Washington, D.C. Here's the president. Here's the Senate. Here's the congressman. And now John the Baptist, the word of the Lord comes to him out in the desert. That's often where the word of the Lord comes from. So we went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book, the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized him by him, you brood of vipers. Now there's a prophetic word. All right. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. What shall we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none. The one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized teacher. They asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Mm. Pretty practical. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them, I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I is going to come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not... Worthy to untie, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he'd done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. All right, let's unpack this for just a moment. And I'm just, John is a... Fabulous example of someone functioning in the motivational gift of prophet. He's also in the office of prophet, and he's prophesying. He's doing all of it, but motivationally, there's a prophetic gift in there. First of all, and we've already talked about this, a prophet perceives, all right? Matthew 6 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great then is that darkness? Here's the thing. The prophet sees black and white in people and in systems. And by the way, has strong convictions about bringing light into darkness. Strong opinions, strong convictions. Black and white. Okay? That's a mo- you have the motivational gift of prophet. You see things in people and in systems. And you're looking at them and going, this is right, this is wrong. Which is why, by the way, as a prophetic gift, it's really important to keep your eyes spiritually very clear. Because you're called to perceive. And how are you going to see if you've got 
So prophets are called to be very ruthless internal in the sense of God God's really works hard on all of the gifts, but he works really hard on prophets in this area. Holiness. Do you feel that call? You know, if you're just, do you, you feel the fire and heat of God in the area of holiness? It's probably because, there, it could be because there's a prophetic call there, prophetic gift. All right? So, got that? Can I go on? Okay. Secondly, prophet prays. A prophetic motivational gift is often accompanied by a very strong calling to intercession. Intercessors are people who pray a lot and like it. They like, oh man, I got to, I got to spend three hours in prayer today. And if you're not an intercessor, you're going, wow, isn't that special? Okay. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I got my three minutes in and I'm feeling really good. Okay? But a prophetic motivational gifting loves to pray. Why? Because, one, they've got to hear from God. Two, how are they going to move light into darkness, not just through their words, but through their prayers? Okay, this is key. This is a voice of one. This is, this is describing, you know, Isaiah is describing what John the Baptist, and John the Baptist speaks of this, of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths in the desert, a highway for our guard. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Now, this is my interpretation of this, okay? My understanding is this is a wonderful definition of prophetic intercession. Because what it's describing is smoothing a path. I mean, there's a a picture behind this of the the conquering general coming in on a smooth path that's been created, a a, a victory path that's been created in the the wilderness for the the conquering king to come. When we, if, if you're a prophetic intercessor, if you've got this motivational gift of prophet, you are praying for high places to come down, for low places to come up, for crooked places to be made straight and rough places to be smooth so that God can come into whatever that system that's broken. You're at a school and you see stuff and you begin to pray and you intercede and you're praying and you're asking God, straighten things out. You're praying for the capital. You know, it's really cool going up to see Jeannie right now at Bethesda because her bed, she's got a penthouse suite and she's looking literally the way they have her, she looks directly at the Capitol. Now, if any of you know Jeannie, Jeannie's got concerns about the political system and she's praying and she's got that, here it is. God, boom. It's great. The prophet intercedes based on God's truth for his, for God's, not your own, God's plans and purposes to be worked out in all situations. That's what a prophet is interceding for. Got it? Third, the prophet proclaims.
Jeremiah, the last sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This is precisely the word that we heard this morning from Andrew Hill about walking courageously. And this is God behind Jeremiah saying, don't you tell me your excuses. I don't want to hear about how you're too young. I've put my word in your mouth, and when I tell you to go and speak, go and speak. Yeah. I love, you know, God's very direct with his prophetic people. The prophet persuasively communicates the will of God clearly and directly through word, pictures, actions. Again, not only in the four walls of the church, but out there. This is part of your prophetic gifting. If you've got a prophetic gifting, you see justice, you see those things, you know. And he's going to teach you and instruct you how to do it in such a way that is persuasive, not just irritating. Okay? Because that's part of the growing up and building up and maturity. And if you've got a prophet, if you've got a child with a motivational gift, a prophet, and by the way, children have their motivational gifts, God will give you special grace (laughs) for parenting the prophetic child. All right. Lastly, promotes. What do I mean by that? Well, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. This is Joel. Joel speaking the declaration of the Lord. Return to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. The prophet encourages repentance, which is a change of direction, to reorient around biblical principles that will produce good fruit. We want to see good fruit within the life of the whatever system, whatever situation we're in, we want to see God bringing forth good fruit. So he will encourage, she will encourage repentance, the change of direction to reorient. That's what a prophet does. Okay? Is this making sense? Do you have a picture now? All right. Coming in for our landing. So here's the invitation to us this morning. Well, we can all perceive God's truth. Not just the prophetic motivational giftings, but we're all called to perceive God's truth. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them, Jesus said. And he's talking to his disciples and about his disciples. The knowledge has been given to you. Okay? Secondly, we can all pray into God's plans. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's right there in the disciples' prayer. We can all pray for God's plans to come forth. We can all proclaim God's will. In the last day, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Say all. Say all. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So we can all proclaim God's will. 
And we can all promote God's purposes. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are all promoting that reconciliation, that call of God. So here's how we're going to close this morning. Um, I know we're moving into overtime here, so we're just going to expedite this. But here's what I'd like to do. I just want to invite, because I really want to encourage and stimulate these gifts throughout this series. So maybe you already know, or maybe you're just kind of thinking, maybe this is me. What I'm going to invite you to do is, I just if, if you feel like you have a motivational gift of prophecy, you may not know for sure, but you're just wondering after this conversation this morning. That might be you. Um, I'm going to do this every week, so there's no embarrassment. There's no nothing. And I'm not trying to put you in a box. I just want to, I really want to pray into that. So if, you, if that's you, would you stand? If you feel like, yeah, that might be me. All right. Would you just reach out your hands if you're sitting by somebody who's got that going? Reach out your hand and bless them. Jesus, I believe that you want to do more than just give really good information these weeks. I believe that you want to activate some things in us. And you want to actually stimulate these motivational giftings for, for, for the benefit of your body and for the, for, the, for the building of the kingdom. And so, God, I want to pray today, right now, into those, Lord, who are standing here this morning, who, who Jesus sense that perhaps this is something that God has has given to them, Lord. I want to bless this prophetic gifting, motivational gifting in your people today in this house. And I want to pray that it will be released with joy and boldness and confidence and humility and To bring life, to bring life wherever you take it, Jesus. As we heard earlier, wherever you take us. Because Paul was that, I mean, he functioned highly in these kinds of things. Lord, wherever he went, he was obedient, as we heard today. Lord, we want to be obedient. Bless my brothers and sisters in their obedience. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For this, Lord, in workplaces, in schools, in neighborhoods, in families, in all kinds of situations and systems, come with that light in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. All God's people said. Rest of you stand up. We're going to close with a declaration prophetically. We're we're just going to do a, a song to send you out, and I'll give a benediction immediately after we sing through one. So, if you'd open your hands. Lord Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for the prophetic declaration. There is no God like you. There is none like you. 
And you continue to speak into our world and reveal the reality of who you are and the reality of your purposes. And God, we just want to cooperate with you in that revelation and in that proclamation. Even as a body together, help us to live out this prophetic call together. So with hands open, I pray now that you'd be filled with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your life. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, may his goodness and mercy chase you down. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I bless you, people of God. I bless you as you go. In Jesus' name, amen.